Hello from the Pacific Northwest. This is Kristen from KristenWombach.com, and you're listening to Intentional Now Podcast. More people than ever are asking the question, how do we find ourselves on the resurrected side of Jesus? In this show, I discuss what's really on the other side of the torn veil, ascending into heaven, and how does our sonship fix the heart of creation? If you're like me, Jesus has redefined what you used to say yes to. Join me and my guests in a workshop discussion that proclaims, we're not nailed to the cross or dead in the grave, but fully alive and resurrected in him. Let's do this. <laughs> Hello, here we are. Another summer episode. How are you doing? <laughs> I know. I do look forward to it. And I have just been writing for two days and pondering for two days. And oh my goodness, it's are you in for a treat or what? Let me share with you about today's takeaways. Hitting the wall of giving up. The power of thank you. God, tell me I can win. Four keys of community. Activations of the heart. And yes, I'm sharing another drawing heaven. The intersection of grace. Believe. Hmm. Oh my goodness. You are ready, right? Okay. If you're driving, remember you can always listen to this a second time. <laughs> I know. Obviously, when I listen to a podcast, 95% of the time I am driving as well. <laughs> so when I hear this really good stuff, you know, it's kind of like, pull the car over, make a notation. Or one of the cool things in the application is that you can put it on driving mode and you can actually hit that little button and it repeats it. So there are ways. <laughs> I did get you smiling, right? Yes. It's the end of a very busy, very interesting week. And here we are again. And Lord, we just ask for your blessing on this time. So we left up off our discovery series with episode 67, Creation is Watching. Do you remember? I was sharing on my ongoing healing story regarding my dog Dash and how I'm learning, I'm sharing my interactions with creation, right? That is still an ongoing, hmm, <laughs> moving on. So, you know my strength, the strength that I pull from this passage. Let me read it again to you. He initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself. Through the blood of the cross, God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing upon the earth, as well as those invisible things which are in the heavenly realm all of it now not only that but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe people and things animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death 
Colossians 1.20. There is so much strength in those words, right? So there's an interesting, just a little rabbit trail, a little off step here. There's an interesting um, note when it comes to podcasting. An interesting thing that I think about, hmm, it's the anonymity, right? So you can listen to a podcast, even the podcaster there's an anonymity to sending your voice literally around the world. So I love the part of podcasts that give the podcaster the opportunity to have a conversation with the world. I am. You're here. I'm here. We're having a conversation with the world. So what I really don't care for, what I don't like, is when the world lacks a reply. That is just one of the interesting things of a podcast, right? So that reply or response, it's a highlighted area in my heart. Well, what do you mean highlighted, Kristen? Ah, glad you asked. So imagine with me, imagine in the spirit, God pulling my destiny scroll off the library shelves of heaven. And he's opening up a page and it's filled with bulleted notations. Well, one of the notations would say, remind, encourage, and teach people the power of saying thank you, the power of gratitude, the power of responding personally to a kindness that someone has shown them, the power of purposing the interaction of love. Isn't that good? The power of purposing the interaction of love. So one of my highlighted things in my heart is I'm to guide and to guard the treasure of conversation, writing, correspondence. In It's just a nanosecond world of social media, right? So what I'm asking and asking for your help is let's not take the social out of the media, okay? Can I have an amen here? So, what you do know about me is that I am an avid journaler. Those two things just key right up to each other. One opens the other, the other one opens it, right? <sighs> so, on Wednesday evening at church, I found myself totally reiterating that this. There isn't a tool that any one of us possesses with more wisdom hidden inside than journaling. Mm -mm. I haven't found one. I've never found one. It's, it's written prayer is what it is. There isn't a tool that any one of us possesses with more wisdom hidden inside than journaling. And with that, I will leave you the link to my pretty Evernote templates. I'll leave that below. And I want to say this, okay? God has living letters, and so should we. <laughs> I know it's a good word. I have a few of them for you today. God has living letters, and so should we. So, at Holy Spirit's suggestion, I encourage you to connect and reach out to individuals that he is highlighting to your heart right now. Mm -hmm. Just make a note of them. And if you want to send them a card, I designed one especially for Intentional Now listeners for such a time as this. It's my gift to you, 
a perfect cup of tea. Yep, I'll leave the link there for you. My gift totally for you to reach out and show those people who have blessed your life and spoken into your life that you appreciate them. Okay, here we are. I have set the stage. It is a big stage today. So I'm going to open the door of transparency. If you've been listening with me for a while, we open that door often, don't we? (laughs) It's powerful. So I never assume that my listeners, that you being here, my listenership, I should say, is just a coincidence. You and I have things in common joys and struggles, marriage, families, financial difficulties. And I'm here to share how God encourages me on all fronts. I share that with you. So this week, trying week, it has been a difficult season. So this week I heard God say that he was sorry about a situation in the midst of a difficult week. My bold response, I don't want you to tell me you're sorry. I want you to tell me I can win. That's a good word right there, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) So that is one of the things. I wrote it down because it's a good word. I want you, God, to tell me I can win. I need you to, I need to hear you telling me that all the time. God, tell me I can win. And that is one of the keys for this episode. So Holy Spirit, mm -mm -mm, I thank you that you govern the open heart, a heart that desires to listen, to learn, and inquires to know you. Heaven is real. And your principles, mm, they're true, true, and true again. As always, I'm listening to me as I'm preaching to the choir. Mm -hmm. So if I serve it up and put it on the table, it's on the table for me as well. So yesterday, I ran into a wall. Mm, Not literally. No, I ran into the wall. I ran into the wall of giving up. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not the first time I've been introduced to the wall of giving up. You know what I mean. You're done. I had a done day. (laughs) A done week, a done season is just throwing my my hands up and say, "Uh, I can't move. I'm giving up. It doesn't make sense. So for those of you that do any marketing online, you know that it is extremely expensive to successfully keep your face and your voice and your products before the masses. So I threw my heart and I threw my hands up this week when I ran into the wall of practical profit and loss, practical ministry, entrepreneurship, mixed with mm, other struggles on the home front, right? I know that I'm not standing alone in this subject. Not at all. Mm -mm. That's why we've got open hearts here today, right? Amen. So during Wednesday evening small group, I shared my heart with the dearest of friends. 
and that I was hitting this wall of uh, giving up. I have a few keys for you. Number one, I never make a decision under the influence of emotions. Mm-hmm. Never. No. And that is a learned response or actually written down. And I have an agreement with myself that says, I never make a decision under these conditions. And that's the condition of emotions. Key number two, develop a core group of people that know how to love you in the hard places. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there with just that core group of people. I've known them oh, 12 to 15 years that we have been walking together. This is what I call my home church. These people have walked with me and we've walked together with the Lord, right? And so we know how to love each other in the hard places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Key number three, listen to what they have to say. There's a couple of sides of that, meaning I give them permission to speak into my life, but I listen. I listen to what they have to say. I trust the Lord's voice in them and through them. And here's the big one. This is huge. This is one of those huge, huge keys. Respond. Mm -hmm. My response to what they said is vital. So in the link in this episode, I left you another one of my prophetic drawings from the Drawing Heaven link. And I shared it with you because it's a continuing story of my, inter my interpretations of the intersection of grace. And I've also highlighted the episodes to which I've discussed and unpacked this journey. This is a spiritual place for me that I meet with Jesus. So for the last several days, God has been showing me one of the other corners. I've been focused on the corner of trust and going in and out the door of trust for some time. Probably, what, six months? And now he's asked me to look at another corner in the corner of believe. So as I focused in the spirit, meaning my spiritual perceptions to feel, to see, to taste, to perceive the corner of believe, I began to perceive this particular corner and I opened my heart to hear and engage with heaven. So I'm going to describe, just click up the picture, it'll help you to visualize what I'm experiencing. And Remember, heaven is alive. It comes out of my mouth. It echoes. It opens the door, meaning that you can step right into it with the Lord right there with you, and he will speak to you there. So we open the door when we talk about spiritual things, and it becomes a testimony that you can engage with. So this corner I'm, I'm looking, I'm meditating on it, on it, and Holy Spirit is helping me to hear the frequency, the sound, the echo. And the corner was filled 
with an ocean of light, greens and blues stacked upon a stack of dimensions inside, just like you can see the light, the fractals of light just building on one each other, like you were looking into the ocean, right? And it reminded me, yeah, it reminded me of the Chancellor's House of Discovery. So what was interesting about this corner is pristinely placed smack center in front, like Here's the corner, here's the sidewalk, and here is the ocean of light, which is contained in the whole corner. And right smack in the center of the corner that I will call an ocean named Believe is growing a beautiful light-filled living tree. So, Yes, I've encountered the tree of life in many different encounters, and it's as if its roots touch all of heaven. So behind this tree of living light were, well, it appeared as theater doors. So in the spirit, when you perceive something, remember God is speaking to the library of your understanding and pulling forth pictures. And so when it feels like something or you perceive it as something, that's because that's what the Lord is using to show you. So it appeared to me as theater doors. And you can even imagine there was a marquee placed over the head, overhead. You know, there it is, theater doors that I step into in this ocean that I'm going to name Believe. So I walk in. And when I walk in, was it water-like? No, no, more like hmm, living air. So I've held my spirit in this place to remain inside the corner of believe for several days. This is my meditation place with the Lord. This is where I am with him. Just like I did with the the corner and the door of trust, I went in and out and he spoke to me and taught to taught me and ministered to me and he still does from that place, but the focus has changed. Mhm. So I'd like to share with you some scriptures that Holy Spirit highlighted it to me this week as I walked this journey. Okay? This this journey. Remember, I'm at this place where I'm just throwing my hands and my heart up and say, I can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah. What other option do I have? I'm. It's just like giving up is staring me in the face totally in the face. I'm upset. I'm talking to dear friends. You know, my husband and I, it's just, it's just a hard place. You've been there. I know you've been there. So God brought these scriptures to light this week. Cast your cares. In 1 Peter 5, 7, from the mirror, it says, take immediate action when it comes to distractions and cares. Fling them upon the Lord. He's got your best interest at heart and he's got your back. Yes, I'm going to say that again. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. Take immediate action when it comes to distractions and cares. 
fling them upon the Lord. He's got your best interest at heart, and he's got your back. So it's the Living Bible says casting all your anxiety onto him because it matters. It matters to him. These concerns about you, it matters to him. So all of this is a direct quote from Psalms 54, 22. That's what Peter is talking about. Cast your care upon the Lord and he will sustain you. And he will never let the righteous be moved. Never. <laughs> yes. This is where I fell prey this week. <laughs> In 1 Peter 5, 8, we're continuing on about casting my cares. I fell prey because he says, do not be intoxicated by cares. Keep your minds clear. Be wide awake. You know, our fallen mindset system would seek to snare us and paralyze us with fear like a roaring lion. Yeah, like a roaring lion. But Peter says, do not allow distractions to devour you. Do not allow distractions to employ a sense of unworthiness. That question, your righteousness. Mm, yeah, I felt it. I let the wall of giving up, I let it have words. I let it be a distraction. I let the care literally intoxicate my thinking because sometimes they're just right smack in front of your face over and over and over again. Well, that's why God said, go check out what Peter had to say. Those cares intoxicated my thinking. <sighs> And it is totally amazing how much the volume was turned up. It's like loud and in my face. So Peter compares these distractions and cares to the effect of the roar of a lion. And if you don't deal with the distractions, they can devour you. Mm -hmm. If you don't deal with the distractions, they can devour you. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and what are they trying to devour? To devour? They're totally questioning your righteousness. They were questioning this wall of giving up. It was questioning my right standing. Totally. It was questioning who I am, my relationship with the Lord, my communion, who I am and what I'm called to do, what I know about my destiny scroll. And it challenged my trust, totally challenged my trust. Those distractions intoxicated my thinking. Yeah, I hear you. It's difficult. It was difficult. It was emotional. It was... Don't want to do that again. So I'm going to lead you, lead us into an activation. If you have also been distracted by cares, would you join me? Father God, I ask for forgiveness. 
for allowing the cares and the distractions and the noise and the volume to draw my focus, to intoxicate my mind. I ask for your forgiveness. I break agreement with them and the power that they've had over me. I nail them to the cross and say, you're out of here. <laughs> Hebrews 10.36 I employ patience to continue to echo the poetry of God's desire for me. To possess the promise. The echo. I echo the promise. The promise of God's desire in my life. Right? We just talked about that. <laughs> we just talked about it. This is living in my heart, living in my life right now. Right? So Hebrews. I love Hebrews. Though the fig tree does not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vine, the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. And he makes my feet like hinds feet. And he makes me to tread upon high places. Remember I talked last two weeks on treading on high places. Well, if you put one and one together, I look at the corner of belief, ah, my high place. Stay in there. Stay in there with your spirit and engage your spirit there in the high place. Besides, we're not the quitting kind. We possess a persuasion of soul that believes against all odds. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I know. Action pack here. So now I'm going to take you back to the counsel that I received from my friends. Because my responsibility is to respond, to take the counsel and to ask the Lord and find out the perspective that the Lord gave that counsel. So my dear friend, Julia, she calls them little snippets. I call them divine brilliance. They're just wonderful. So she shared with me in this group, she said, Kristen, hmm, because they're looking at my concern and my care and distraction. They're not emotionally attached like I am to that screaming wall of, I'm giving up, I'm done, this is a done day. <laughs> no, they're not attached in that way, but they are attached to my heart. We love each other. We've been walking and holding each other's arms up high for years. So she said, do you suppose a portion of your scroll could be in Sheol? <laughs> well, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> One that I have so much to share with you 
and wh- where where do I begin? So with that question, I thought, geez, I, I could I could split this episode in half today because it's a total, it's the response, right? But now that I'm here, now that I'm in that place, I go, hmm, I need to share it. I need to echo it. It is a part. It is a piece. It is a piece. It's part of the response to my dealing with the distractions and the cares that I will call that wall of giving up. I believe it's an answer. And so I'm going to continue to share today. So let me open up this subject matter, the subject matter of Sheol. I have never spoken to you about it. Um, Today's the day. So I'm going to share this subject from the conversation from Peter. And take into account in the Peters, the first and second Peter, take into account that the Lord has walked the journey of the cross, which Peter was shown. The Lord is resurrected, and Peter witnessed it. And now, after the Lord's ascension, Peter is at liberty to share the encounters from the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, I'm going to put a special note in here. I have my own encounter with the Mount of Transfiguration written in the unfinished book. And I encourage you to go see chapter two. If you haven't picked up the unfinished book, I'll leave the link here for you. Chapter two, In the Beginning God. There's an awesome story there about the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, so now I've set it up. We're right here. So let's talk directly with Peter from 1 Peter 3.19. Remember, we're going to talk about the subject of Sheol, Hell, Hades today. So thus, through the doorway of death, his spirit entered. Jesus' spirit entered, okay? The very domain where those who died before were imprisoned there. He announced his message the good news. So his audience included all who died in unbelief in the days of Noah when he built the ark. Jesus is the extension of the patience of God, who waited for mankind at a time when only eight survived the flood. There is a new baptism. I'm going to say that again. There is a new baptism. Immersed in his death and co-quickened in his resurrection, that's you and I, mankind, once dead and drowned, are now made alive and crowned. Again, we are reminded of an echo. So curious, curious, Noah, remember, he's talking about Noah here. Right, he, he talked about how God waited for mankind when only eight survived in the flood. So Noah, who found favor in the eyes of the Lord, his name, the name Noah, if you were to mirror it, it says Shen, C-H-E-N. That means grace and favor. Literally Noah's name in a mirror 
is grace and favor. So Jesus emptied whatever definition we have of hell. And he came back with trophies. And those trophies were humanity and the keys. Right? Jesus emptied whatever definition we have of hell. We're going to talk about that today. And he came back with the trophies of humanity and the keys. Isaiah 22, 22. And oh, it would be a total insult if we were regarding the gospel. If we continued to preach a defeated devil and an empty hell. If we preached it so it was back into business. Hello? No, I don't think so. So, Jesus, the living one, I died and now see. Here I am alive unto the ages of the ages, and I have the keys wherewith I have disengaged the gate of Hades and death. Mm -hmm. And this is where I will begin. Christ disengages the gates of Hades and death. The doctrines that we have been served are incorrect. Mm -hmm. I used to believe them. Not anymore. So if the gates are disengaged, the gates of hell, the gates of Sheol are disengaged, and the keys are retrieved, who whom is holding the keys today? Exactly. You and I. Mm -hmm. And for what purpose would we be given the keys to Sheol? I heard you. To set the captives free. Exactly. I have two stories to share with you today. So I'm going to remind you the purposes of me sharing the stories. I'm also trying to scale the wall of giving up. And my spirit has been standing in the dimension called believe. And this is my response from honor, from what counsel I received from very dear friends. And she said to me, she goes, maybe there's a portion of your scroll there. And what the Lord said to me is the times that I have engaged and encountered Sheol, yes, my scroll goes there. And today's the day. I open my mouth and I share with you. And we stand in the dimension called believe. Besides, we're not the quitting kind. We possess a persuasion of a soul that believes against all odds. <laughs> my first story. And this is not scripted. This is in the heart. So my first story is a strategy from heaven that overcame cancer. So 
two, three years ago. Don't quote me on the death, the the date. Two, three years ago, um, my mom called me because she had received a phone call from a cousin. And she called me that day to let me know that a cousin of mine, a near relative, I'm going to leave proper names out, um, that she had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. Well, the concern was, and what my mom asked me to pray about is that my relative, not the person with the diagnosis of cancer, but her um, sibling called my mom and said that his sister had closed the door. She had closed the door from the family helping her. Yeah, and that was the way that she dealt with tragic things in her own life. She just shut herself off from family and friends and just wouldn't receive support. So here she is acting out this really negative behavior and she's just got a diagnosis of stage four cancer, breast cancer. Um, and they are so concerned because she shut herself off. No talking, no phone calls, nothing. Where is her support? My mom asked me to pray. Rightly so, we pray for our family. Well, I knew exactly the strategy just jumped into my spirit. I knew exactly what I would do, what the Lord was asking me. So um, I knew that my relative, the parent of this family, was in Sheol. My spirit just knew that. It was just an understanding. Well, I had been in Sheol before with the Lord. He has shown me several times. It's, yes, um, several times. It's over a period of time that he shows you and he ministers to you. And so I, I went down there. I had his permission to go down there and to speak to my relative who was in hell, you might say. And I knew that she was there. So I went down and spoke to my relative. Um, I don't remember what I said. It wasn't much. And I gave her a hug. And at that point, um, she hugged me back. And she was so glad to see me. And actually... All of my relatives that were on the paternal side of my generational line were there. Um, and so I hugged her and that, that hug or that love, because how is it that you go into Sheol if you are not a resurrected person on the resurrected side of Jesus, right? It, 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 yeah, so... There is the gospel of good news right there. I'm alive in the resurrected 
of Jesus Christ, I'm alive. And so I hugged her and, and there's this big, you could just feel this big, yes. And so what happened is these, these stairs open up these, I'll call them eternal stairs. You're going to have to imagine them. These eternal stairs open up and Jesus is always standing at the top of these eternal stairs. And of course, this transaction of love has come and melted her heart. That's what God's love does. It melts her heart. Now, I can hear questions. You, your questions would be, well, why would a person be there in the first place? Um, this is what I know today, and I may know more tomorrow. But what I know today is that when we refuse, we refuse the love of God for whatever reasons. Um, we refuse because God gives us free will to choose to love, whether it's loving, you know, family and friends and people in the earth, or even loving Him or receiving His love. He gives us that free will. And so she chose not to exchange her life or relationship with him, to know him. And in that choice, um, her anger and her disappointment that she held actually is what held her in this all called dimension we call Sheol or Hades. That's where she's been held. So let me get to the good part of the story. So she walked out and my paternal family line, all oh, they walked out and they walked up and hugged Jesus. And I knew at that moment I knew the strategy of the Lord because I knew exactly what this mom was going to go do. Now she's seated in heavenly places with the Lord. That puts her present in the cloud of witnesses. From the seated place of the cloud of witnesses, that gives her the freedom within her scroll and the Lord's doings to minister from the cloud of witnesses. So now she's free to minister from the cloud of witnesses. And who's she going to minister to? Uh-huh. Her daughter. Mm-hmm. You get the whole picture there. There isn't any better person to help a daughter who is struggling, struggling with separating herself from people who love her, that can help her and support her in a very trying time in her life than her mama. And now her mama, free in the love of Jesus Christ, 
can minister from the cloud of witnesses. About two weeks later, <laughs> my mom called me back. Well, I talked to my mom more than every two weeks, but she called me. And she said, you know what? I just got a call from your relative. And there has been a tremendous turnaround. <laughs> so my cousin, who had totally shut herself off from family and love and help, all of a sudden has changed. And now she's receiving the help and support of family. The testimony continues. So today, I think it's about three to four years later, she is cancer-free. That's good news. <laughs> now, she has no idea. My relatives have no idea that you could say how I prayed, right? They have no idea, but I do, and now you do. And that was one of my first experiences in Sheol. <laughs> the love of God is good. I have another one to share with you. Because <sighs> what we're doing is we are blowing up those negative and those wrong doctrines. They're just not correct. So let me ask you this. The love of God. <laughs> so we assume that our choice of separating ourselves from God. Imagine a person who just pushes God away for whatever reasons for their entire life. And you just know that you know that they were separate from God. And you could even say, yep, they went to hell, right? Do you really think that God in his goodness, he's a papa, he's a father here, that sitting at creation's council with Jesus and we're in him and they are discussing creating. They're discussing Genesis, right? They're discussing creating heaven and earth and the animals and creation and us in it. And they're discussing it. Tell me that a good God, that a good Papa does not have the ability to outthink his children, to go to the extent on behalf of his children that there is no way that we can outrun the love of God. It is impossible to outrun the love of God. And we have all eternity to know his love. So another one here. So hell in Hades is expressed in scripture as a fire fiery with weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? Well, they do weep and gnash in teeth, but they weep and gnash in teeth from their 
choice of being angry, their choice of being bitter. That's what the weeping and gnashing of teeth is. It's just like, I want to be mad. I'm going to hold my anger here and not let go of my anger. They won't exchange their anger for the love of God. But just let me ask you this. One of the ways that God is described is an all-consuming fire. Did you get that? Say God is an all-consuming fire. And Sheol and hell are referred to as a fiery place. I would tell you today by my own experiences, just like Peter, James, and John, God is an all-consuming fire, and Sheol and hell, they are held in the love of God until. So I change, and I totally blow up the doctrine. You know, eternity and our choice is eternal. It is an eternal choice. Eternally. <laughs> All right, I'm going to tell you another story. I know it's getting a little long, but we're doing something here today. I'm opening up something that is so dear to my heart that people need to hear, right? My cousin was literally, her attitudes were changed that brought the healing from cancer were changed because somebody believed the Lord and went into Sheol and spoke the good news and brought her mother out of Sheol so her mother could minister to her from the cloud of witnesses. My second story. This is very tender to me. Very, very tender. So, Ah, where do I begin? <laughs> we all have our first love, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about Jesus. <laughs> we have our first love of, whether it's a schoolgirl love, for me it was in high school, <laughs> my first love. <sighs> my goodness. You know where your heart just flips over and <laughs> your thinking is out the door. <laughs> I'm sure you're thinking of your first love too. It's like, oh, wonderful. So I have a first love and I'm going to change his name to, let me see. Um. That's funny. I'm going to change his name to Bob. <laughs> That's easier to tell a story when you're talking about. So his name's Bob, right? I changed it. <laughs> For the love of the family. So my first love and his name is Bob, right? So here I am a cheerleader and he's an athlete. You get the whole story here. My first love head over heels, right? <laughs> For about six months during high school. So life has moved on. Um, I'm married <laughs> for 30 
what, 35, 36, how many years have I been married? <laughs> I have four sons. Life has gone on, right? But nothing takes the place of your first love. And in the course of my knowing the Lord, I can't tell you how many times I've had dreams and the Lord will literally use Bob, my first love, as a representation of himself. Many times. And it is like, oh, it's so endearing. It's just a beautiful thing. So my first love is just, just held this tender, tender place in my heart, right? And so, um, I don't know, a year or so ago, I don't know the time. I'd have to look in my journals, but I do have it. <laughs> There's another plug about journaling, right? <laughs> um, my a very dear friend from high school Facebook messaged me. And um, she messaged me and she said that Bob had committed suicide and that she thought I should know. She was absolutely right. I would want to know. And then the, the news hit Facebook and very difficult for the family and it and it it did it touched my heart here's my first love and he took his own life well i hadn't been a, a part of his life for uh, 40 years but still it affected my heart but i knew you know it just it just dropped in i i knew and the Lord just dropped a strategy right into my heart. And I just knew. And I could hear him say, Kristen, you need to go get him. And here is the, at least the doctrine that I used to believe. I used to believe. And so this is really important if suicide has touched your home or it's touched your friend's home this is important for us to know and to believe so i always allow the lord okay prepare my heart is there anything i need to understand um before I go do this assignment in the spirit and go to Sheol. Well, from the garden of my heart, Jesus took me one day and I walked into this garden, a spiritual realm. I walked into this unattractive garden. It was a spiritual realm. And I felt it. And I go, well... Why does this feel like the potter's field? And what he continued to show me um, from that dimension, 
because my intuition picked up, I go, why does this feel like the potter's field? Or why does this feel like, what's that that field that Judas Iscariot just took his life in? That's what it felt like. Your spirit seems to hone in on an understanding. And that's what it felt like. I went, why did you bring me here today, Lord? And of course, I read the passages and read the scripture and went, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Let me continue on the school story and remind me to come back to this point. Okay. (laughs) The potter's field. I think it's called the potter's field. And now, because this is off script, I didn't pull the scripture for you. You know how to Google it. (laughs) So I was prepared. I was ready. I allowed the Lord to help me search my heart so that my heart was in prepared and I'm going to get Bob. And I remember there were a couple of scriptures that were linked with that passage. I think it's in Luke. And there was a Psalm that talked about the potter's field and that um, the people in the field were blind. So I walked into Sheol and what was interesting is I was uh, in a different place. Um, That's the hard thing about discussing about dimensions, spiritual dimensions. You're just going to have to take my word for it. It's going to like, it was different. I was still in Sheol in the lower realms of the earth, but it was a different place. And then I remember it was, had these big rocks and it was dark and misty. And I walked and all of a sudden I could see this man and he was bent over this huge rock and he was blind. He couldn't see me. And I walked up to him and I put my hand on him. And as soon as I put my hand on on him, his eyes opened up and he looked at me. And the first thing that Bob said to me from Sheol, he said, Christy, I knew you'd come get me. Well, you can kind of hear the rest of the story. I'm sure I hugged him. No, I didn't stand on a soapbox and preach the gospel. The gospel was preached by the love of God, by me believing God in what he has shown me, that I too can go in with the keys of hell and Hades and open that up and set the captives free. That's exactly what I was doing. I didn't need to preach the gospel. I was the gospel. And so... We exchanged that love, and there they are. They're those same wonderful, glorious, eternal stairs with Jesus standing on the top. And what does my first love do? Because the love of God has touched him and set him free. So Bob goes and walks up those stairs and gives a huge hug to Jesus. (laughs) 
back to the potter's field. I'm going to ask you a question. Let me tell you, let me ask you this question. So Jesus died on the cross, cross and he gave up his breath, his ghost. And we know that he went to the lower realms of the earth. And so he was somewhere for three days, right? So let me ask you this question. Who do you think the very first person is that Jesus went to get? Yep, you're absolutely right. Judas. Yeah, that's the first person that Jesus went to go make it right, was Judas. Now, that's the God that we know, right? Of course. I know, it's very emotional. <laughs> that is the first person that he went and got was Judas to make it right. I'm still here. I'm just like, whew, very touching. I don't know. So, if suicide has touched your life, I'm here to tell you today that the love of God is eternal. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yes, the love of God eternal and it's good. God is good. And if you need to ask me more questions about that, um, because suicide has touched you in a very close place, you just Come find me. I'm easy to be found. I got contact information everywhere. And I'll help you with that. Because you know what? Families and moms need to know if they've suffered from a family member committing suicide. They need to know this. They need to know this freedom. And so... <laughs> I don't think I wrote any other notes here today. <sighs> I have a last scripture for you. Oh, we're long-winded. Galatians 4, 6. To seal our sonship, God has commissioned the spirit of sonship to resonate the Abba Echo. In our hearts. And that's what I've done here today. I've resonated the Abba echo in my heart. And I believe that that echo removes the wall of giving up. <sighs> Sometimes things are just plain old difficult. But the spirit of sonship is alive 
and resonating the Abba Echo in our hearts today. If this episode has blessed you or touched you, <laughs> again, you know where to find me. <laughs> we got links everywhere. I bless you and thank you for spending whew, quite a bit of time with me today. <laughs> there will be more to the story. <laughs> there always is, and I do have more stories for you about Sheol. But I brought you a testimony today. I did. <laughs> Go ask Jesus. <laughs> well. <laughs> no, I'm not giving up. And what did I do? I took the counsel from a very dear friend when she said, Kristen, do you suppose that part of your destiny scroll is in Sheol? She was absolutely right, it is. <laughs> it is to set the captives free. So, <sighs> it's Friday. I'm going to hit the publish button. I bless you. I encourage you to share this episode, the podcast, with those people that need to hear it. God is a good God. He's an all-consuming fire of love. And together, we echo Abba in our hearts. You have a very good rest of your day. <laughs> I know, I'm kind of on the whacked side too. I'm wrecked. I'm going to go fix my face. <laughs> and I will talk to you again next week. Okay. Bye now. <laughs>